Hi, and welcome to another episode of Black Women's Hour. We've got quite a bit to get through today, but before we do, gonna see how everybody is. Hi, um, this is uh, my daughter Mimi. She's not here today, she's at school, and she did my hair for the show. So <laughs> that's the reason for this. How is everyone feeling today? Aisha, how's it going? You've got wet hair, have you just come from the sea? I wish, I just came from the shower though, so all your viewers will be pleased to hear I washed my legs. Yay! <laughs> we never doubted you. We never doubted yeah. you for a second. Black card still intact for now. Well, for now, for yeah. now. Uh, Elaine, how are you doing? I'm feeling great. Thank you very Yay. much. I love your hair, by the way. Thank your you. Looks amazing. Thank and you. Louise, how are you doing? All good, all good, all good. I've got something in my eye, but it's all good. Do you have anything you want to announce? Oh, go on then, go on then. Okay, so I just got made um, Associate Dean for my faculty, really, really chuffed about this role. And yeah, it's it's good, it's good. And, you know, yeah, thank you. And to all the other people that got it as well, you know, congratulations to them. But thank you. And thank you for the support of all my people, all my sister dems. Thank you. <laughs> Yay, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. It has been... Uh, quite an interesting week um hmm. lots been going on from a black perspective both here in the u.s um one story that obviously captured my attention because it was about comedians uh there's a show elaine do you want to explain about the show unapologetic yes so um unapologetic um is a new chat show format a bit like a younger version of the black women's hour but it's on Channel Four, and it was it was it launched in the part of the Channel Four Black to Front initiative in September, and then it got commissioned to have a longer run. Presented by ZZ Mills and Yinka Benini, and then it has a panel of guests around it. And so, um, last week was the first episode of this the new series, and one of their guests was. A gentleman by the name of White Yardy. I know his name is Harry, but he's no prince. And I'm going to now pass it over to Ava over in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, what had happened was there's a comedian who goes by the stage name White Yardy. And he was on and he was being questioned about being Jamaican. He speaks with a full Jamaican accent. Um, so people were trying to. to ask him like, oh, you know, when did you decide you, one of the questions that offended people was when did you decide that you were Jamaican? Basically he was born here in England and I think his parents were living in Jamaica, but they came back here to have him. I think when he was about three months old, he went back to Jamaica. He went to school in Jamaica. I don't know when he came back to England, um, but yeah, he's, he looks and, not look, sorry, he sounds, like what one would think is a Jamaican person. So I think people were quite curious about it. And the, the panel that were questioning him are quite young, which I think speaks to something else. A lot of younger people, I don't know if the panel have or haven't been, but a lot of younger people like um, my kids' generation simply haven't been to the Caribbean. They don't know much about it. So in the same way, like, I don't know, you know, back in the day when we used to go over to America or go to New York and speak with an English accent, it used to blow them away. Cause they're like, we didn't even know there were black people there. So 
there are people who do not realize that they're in Jamaica and many other islands like Trinidad and you know they have different communities they have Chinese people there they have a lot of South Asian people there some have been there a long long time because when slavery was over they brought over indentured servants um, they have mixed within the culture to a certain extent most of them you know what I mean you can see the fact that on Trinidadian food you can see the South Asian influence very very strong and you know coming through strongly uh, a lot of people don't know that Rasta's diet is actually based on the Hindu diet. Um, they learned it off indentured servants when they came over. So there's a lot of mixing and melting, but a lot of people don't know that. Mm. I, I think personally, the, re the reaction was a bit strong to the presenters. One of the presenters took his whole, took all of his social media down. People go, how could you be so ignorant? How can you be so stupid? I just think personally, I think we have to understand that some people don't get that. Do, do you know what I mean? They don't understand that white people are there. So they ended up asking him questions, which black British people are asked all the time. You know, if he goes, where are you from? He goes, Jamaica, it's like, you know, where are you really from? That's what happened. I, I don't know. It caused a massive, massive reaction. I mean, Jamaican, you know, is it their motto? What's the word I'm looking for? Where well, they say out of many, one people. There's, there's a range of different races, but I'm not really sure that people who didn't understand that needed attacking like that. I think it was just, you know, a lot of it was jokes though. Cause you know what Jamaican Twitter's like, you know what I mean? What was that American Sprinter? I stayed up all night watching that. I was just on Twitter, scrolling through Jamaican Twitter laughing. So I think a lot, of, some of it was said in jest, but some of people took it really seriously. Do you think we should be more understanding with our kids when they don't understand, you know, when they're second generation di diaspora? Most of us were taken back home when we were younger. You know, circumstances hasn't allowed, for, you know, my generation to do that as, as much. What do you think, Elaine? I think that there are two issues so you've got the jamaican side of twitter you've got the jamaican side of jamaica jamaica who will give people like Celine Dion, freedom of kingston mo bay ochi um would embrace adele etc um because they'd like because for whatever reason i don't under, i've been to jamaica but i don't understand like the jamaica's love jamaica's love for those kind of things and then you've got the other side where you've got some people who might think that if white yardie was a black guy who'd come here as a comedian with the same accent he wouldn't have necessarily been able to get the same level of access even though i don't know if he's as successful as other comedians of his peers um outside the black community um i don't know if if white, like if he's, if he has set out shows to white, with white audiences, or if it is to black people who are baffled by this novelty of this white man speaking um, patois. Dane Baptiste was on the panel mm -hmm. and Dane Baptiste is infinitely more successful than him. Okay. So, and that's all I'll say, cause like I've, I think um, White Yardy said on his Twitter that this is the first time he's been on like mainstream TV or something. I've yeah. seen him on Instagram, I've seen him on Twitter. I haven't seen him on TV until this, until this, to this day. But then going on to um, second generation children not going back home, I guess it depends on what actually is 
home. Because if you're born, if your parents were born here and your one of your parents comes from maybe two different countries and another parent is that your parents come from two different countries, where is really home? And it's and it is expensive. We don't like if I was to go to uh, if I wanted to go to Ghana at Christmas, for example, it's gonna cost me a grand. For most families, that is so unaccessible that you're not going to be able to, you won't be able to do that. And that's the same again at summer. And so if you're if you're like a school age person and you're I don't know what the average size family is, you can't afford to take your, all your children to go to Ghana or to the Caribbean because when it's the peak season, that's when everyone's going on holiday, right? Yeah. Um and I think we've we've discussed this before, like where, where we try to be our which I'm trying to be as Ghanaian as I can be, but obviously I'm doing it very much with a London accent. Um, and my Ghanaian is very different like, in certain respects from my cousin Louise, because we've got slightly different experiences, even though we come from one tree, but two different branches. Um, mm. I'm, gonna, um, I'm gonna ponder on this for a while. <laughs> mm. Can I, can I, can I, I, say, I oh, just let Aisha jump in as the person with some Jamaican heritage here. I'm half Jamaican. That's as much Jamaican as I can give you, I'm afraid. But I was going to say, we knew, I always knew, well, I say always, I first found out about white Jamaicans. We had a handyman called Mr. Kojo, and he came round and he had a broad Jamaican accent. And as soon as he came in, me and my brother were like this. And my mum was like, shh, shh. We're like, well, first of all, we thought he was taking the piss. We in the house we literally thought he was taking the mickey and it was a bit weird because i was like i don't know what he'd have been taking the mickey out of because my mum doesn't have a jamaican accent but i said like he would have been in that some real ballsy move to just go into a black person's house and start dropping a jamaican accent but no no he's more, more jamaican than, than i certainly am evidently but um yeah so but i always saw i knew since then that there were white jamaican people what i would say is that Jamaicans that I know wouldn't definitely wouldn't cast them as not Jamaican. They would a hundred percent be he is Jamaican, you lot of fools. This isn't even it wouldn't even be up for debate. Um, I can't it's, imagine. It's just, it's just a natural reaction. I mean, I remember when I used to go to the Caribbean as a kid. Mm. Over there, they were like, "Oh, you sound English." I think they were more used to the cousins who came back from America because of Americans. Yes. Yeah. on the world so they know yeah. there's black americans they've seen black people that accent but for a lot of them many times hearing us was the first time you've heard it and it isn't like you said when that handyman came in your house you were like is he that brave to come yeah. in it doesn't sit right like i've seen white Bayesians and i've thought are you taking a piss yeah. <laughs> are you joking right now are you you are to sit there mimicking but it doesn't compute with you. And I don't yeah. think that's anything to be angry about. No. I think it's just quite funny. I mean, it's like when I first started going to the Edinburgh Festival and seeing Asian Scottish people, it used to make me go like that because it was weird to me. I'm so used to it now. But now when I hear black Irish people, it's weird to me. I'm like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. that's, it's just, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that they were asking questions that a lot of people um, like I said, of their age, and, and some who are not, who just don't know anything about the islands, that's what they think. And I think that, I don't think it, it warranted anger at all. He simply explained, and people are like, oh wow, there are white people living over there, going to school over there, growing up over there. 
surely, like you said, it's just funny. And Collie Buds exists. So, so they just sort of showed them one video of Collie Buds and Don. Look, yeah. you know, exhibit A. <laughs> Louise, you were going to say something. Okay, so, I mean, in terms okay, I have a lot to say as always. But anyway, so in terms of um, white or like, you know, non-black Jamaicans and stuff, I mean, I've got first, well, I've, I've heard of Jamaicans as in like, you know, Germans who went to settle in Jamaica. And apparently there's a community there because I, I heard about them because my friend is actually in Jim, she's black and she's in Jamaica at the moment. And, you know, she mentioned them. And so I just thought, let me read about them. So, you know, you've got, as you say, you've got, Jamaicans, you've got Irish Jamaicans, you know, you've got what everything. And then also, because my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is Indian, but has a very strong Jamaican accent because, like, you know, his descendants, his sorry, not his descendants, his ancestors were, you know, of the indentured slaves. So, like, you know, I've got niece, my niece and my two nephews are half. So I think is that. So Elaine, I mean, you pointed that you 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 made up the you know, you made the point about growing up in a community and stuff like that, and whether people asking questions about where is home. And I think that's a really interesting one, because I think it could be, it could be one place, or it could be many. Because like, like you say, I mean, if people have got the, the money and the time and the wherewithal and the knowledge and everything like that, yes, they can go to all these different places and say, look, you know, your one ancestor comes from here, another ancestor comes from here, blah, 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 blah. But if they haven't, then you know it may be very different because I mean I know for example with speaking again from personal experience I see that you know my niece and my nephews they've been to all of like they've been to Ghana they, they go to Jamaica quite a lot I mean India may be a little bit trickier because it's just like they don't really know which all they can say is that they you know their ancestors come from the east of India so that makes it a bit tricky but they know, you know, the African side of things. So in terms of like, you know, the response to white Jamaican, I think it's good to it's good to ask questions because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you're talking about uh, like, you know, people not knowing that other people exist. I know that with the third generation, a lot of them are just kind of saying, okay, well, we want to be black English. So I think sometimes a little bit of reflexiveness is realized because like if people want to be defined as black English, why can't you know um white yardy or whoever else want to be can't why can't he be seen as like a black jamaican do you know what i mean these kinds of things are sort of like fluid you know they're fluid they're fluid and sometimes it does come that it just comes down to where you're born and that's in your nationality and all this and the other and i think there needs to be sort of more understanding of as we were saying before that difference between sort of like race and nationality and i think that's not it's, it's not taught enough. I mean, at school, it's not taught enough, you know, like with everything that's going on at the moment, you know, from a, let's just say from a macro level, it's being conflated. So like, if they're not, if they're not hearing about it from where they should be, I think this is where the problems are coming from. And I think this, this can lead to sort of like anger and people sort of like saying, oh, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And they have a very fixed and binary way of seeing who can be what. Do you see what I mean? Do you see where I'm yeah. coming from? I mean, you raised a good point. As people have moved mm. around the world and they, after a few generations, what do you call yourself? Because mm. you mentioned there that there's Caribbean people who have uh, from either East, East of India, they have South mm. Asian origin. My daughter's mm. godmother is um, of South Asian origin, but she's mm. from Trinidad. Now she yeah. can tell you which part of it. So she calls herself Trini. 
That's what she yeah. is. She doesn't have any choice. They don't know quite where they came from in the same way that African-Americans can't tell you where they came from. They can just yeah. go, okay, I'm of African descent and I'm American and that's all I got for you, Aisha. And uh, as someone who is mixed on quite a few levels, what do you, where do you go with this? You know, it was a bit like with a send them back. Guys, yeah, where do I start? To... You know, my mum's Jamaican, but she's also obviously then got the added element of which part of Africa, right? Or which yeah. parts uh, of Africa. My dad is Sri Lankan. My dad's, or half Sri Lankan, sorry. And his mum is half Scottish and genetically half Polish Jew. So, oh, wow. Like, I mean, it's cool. Is, like, don't get me wrong. It's cool, but it's just, it's just for me. Sometimes I'm just like I'm mixed British. That's it. I'm yeah. not. Okay. What do you know? Mixed other. If it's other, would you like to describe it? Well, you've only yeah. left me this much space on the form. Yeah, so, but then um, even the word other is wrong, isn't it? Because like you know, you know, othering, literally using the word other. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, if you were to even go, like, you know, if you take the genetic aspect, I didn't do one of those ancestry DNA tests because, like, you, you know, you just, we're, we're told, you know, me and Elaine and, you know, many others, we were told, yes, you are Shanti, you are Ghanaian, you know, the, fair enough. But, like, you know, you take one of those ancestry DNA tests, you, you might come up with a very, very different thing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to sort of, like, add my um, little experience, though, because I remember when I went to America, I've been to America twice now. So the first time when I went, I think it was in 2016, I went to Maryland and I went I went somewhere and I said, oh, can I have some orange juice? And then the guy called his friend, the guy who was serving me, he called his friend from the other side of the mall to come and listen to me speak because he couldn't believe that I had a British accent. So like some, and then um, in 2019, when I went to Ohio, I I was just walking down the street and stuff, and I said I, I needed to go to the toilet, and I just goes, oh, can you tell me where the toilet is and stuff like that. I mean, and this guy was just like, can you say that again? And I said, can you please tell me where the toilet is? And he just goes, oh, so like, where are you from? And this is a blo another black guy, you know. And I said, well, I mean, I'm I'm British African and stuff like that. And then he said, are you sure you're black? <laughs> I said, yes, I think I am black. And I said that, you know, I'm darker than you. And, you know, like, and I'm even darker than I was when I came here. So I think, you know, I think I kind of am black. And he was just kind of a bit blown away by the fact that, again, you can be British See, and black. People get confused because they just have stuff yeah. in their head. Like, I had an African-American guy in New York say to me, um, well, when he figured it out, he goes, well, I knew there were some English people, some black people in England, but I assumed they'd all be light skinned. And I went, why? Because oh it's God. cold. And he went, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I think it's just funny. <laughs> It's nothing it's, to be honest. No, 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 it's funny, but also then it also tells speaks a lot about what people are being told, you know, like and where yeah, they I'm get. I'm saying it's funny from our perspective. I'm saying it's funny yeah. to us. This is what I'm saying on the show. It could have yeah. been with. I mean, you had two comedians on the panel, like with a bit more the humor. It was so serious. Yeah. It's not that serious. I think but it's I blame Richard Curtis. confront what your prejudices are and what was going on in your I just thought it was quite quite a funny thing, but it got pretty nasty before, yeah, go on, Elaine. Like I was gonna say, I wouldn't even say that it was necessarily even a show, it was the response afterwards yeah. that I was really, yeah. really baffled by. Um, mm. So there were several rooms on Clubhouse and there were quite a lot of, dis sorry, um, there was a lot of discourse which was taking place on, um, on Twitter as well and on Facebook. Um, 
And I feel, based on the fact, of, I'm not trying to like be an apologist, but based on the fact that all of us, including the people on the panel, have been the recipients of those particular kind of questioning, that we didn't need to... Um, Go for him. No, it wasn't even going. It wasn't even going for him. But like the the response was a bit like obviously people people criticised um, the hosts. Um, mm. People criticised the guests. I guess because the host could have been the hosts could have been done something. And obviously there was something that was said at the end that wasn't cool, um, where um, one of them said clap for the white man, oh. and that's and like if it was if the shoe was on the other foot, all of us would have been up in arms. And um, I, I don't, I, I don't, to me, that's not a comparison. Except it's not a level playing field. If you said clap for the white man, it's like a, so what? Like if you no, said clap for the black man, the black, you know, who's oppressing him here? It's really different. I think when you no, say, oh, no, no, this is what I'm saying, what the discourse was saying. This is what the discourse was saying. And I guess it's like, who's oppressing? He was in the black space. And so I guess some people might argue that he was in the black space and so they're, invited him in and then made him feel whatever and people were saying that he was being very um if it was them right people were saying if it was them that they would have responded very differently maybe not as polite as he did but I guess because of the fact that we do have different positions in the world that might be why his why his response isn't going to be the same as say if it was somebody else who was a black comedian in a white space yeah, I mean, the comment is to everybody that was complaining about that, going, what if you said to a black man? Well, they say things worse and they'd say them and they're not in jest. Do you know what I mean? So I don't like it when people start drawing those comparisons. I agree with you. Like, I think it was a conversation that came up afterwards and the comedian Dane Baptiste got quite a hard time um, about it. He, he mentioned some stuff on Twitter. I mean, can't pull, some of it's deleted. At the end of the day, Okay, obviously I, I will, I know Dane. Um, this led on, the reason people are like, look at Dane's face. Why is Dane looking like that on TV? Why is Dane screwing up his face and trying to say it was a jealousy thing. And Dane was jealous of White Yardy and that's why he was like, it's, you know, what comedy world is quite niche. Mm -hmm. So you can be super famous in the comedy world and not be famous anywhere else. I always just say that like, you could walk out the comedy store and just do two sellout shows, stormed it, got a standing ovation. You can walk outside to the bus stop and everybody will just walk past you. Like no one really, you know what I mean? There's a handful of comedians who people know who they are. And like I said earlier, I don't believe it was, a, it was not a jealousy thing. I'm not gonna say I don't believe it, it was not a jealousy thing. Dane was upset <laughs> and Dane actually sat there and kept, kept his mouth shut. I mean, Anyway, I mean, I'm not going to ever get upset with any person who's got a screw face because my face is naturally like that. I have resting bitch face. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do about it. Dane has it as well. There's nothing, he didn't actually really say anything too bad. I think what the issue that people don't understand that led to this was back in April when St. Vincent had the floods and St. Vincent was getting hammered. The volcano uh, erupted. The, um, they were having floods. Obviously, it was an, it was um, there was hurricane season yet, but they were getting. It looked like hurricane season. I mean, they were going through it. Obviously, like lots of the Caribbean are going through it now due to climate change. The islands are getting absolutely hammered, and a lot of people felt passionate about it. 
I think the issue was when White Yardy went online. You see, this is where I'm saying people need to really look at things. What is the difference with him going online and calling out black comedians saying, oh, you lot are there on TV, you call yourself Caribbeans, what are you doing for St. Vincent? So people are like, I'm sorry. Listen, I was born here. I am Caribbean to the core. We live in a society now where Pretty Patel is literally, they were trying to sneak through legislation to say that if your parents weren't born, even us, right? that are born here, lived here all our lives. Some of us have never left the country. We've had children here, went to, went to school here, we've worked here. But we are always reminded that we are Caribbean or we are African. So I think some people took umbrage to a, a white guy coming on line and calling out black people by name, asking, what are you doing? What are you doing for St. Vincent? You wanna call yourself Caribbeans? That was a very big no-no for me. And of course, that is why Dame was really upset about it at the time. And the fact of the matter is, you never know what people are doing at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do things and they move quietly. You never it. know what they did. You know what I mean? There's mm -hmm. some people who, who, who just don't like any kind of publicity around any kind of good deeds. And the other thing is you don't know what people are going through their life in their lives. Like for instance, Judy Love, who we called out at the time, her dad was on his deathbed. You know, mm -hmm. she was going through it in her life. You know, it doesn't mean she didn't care about St. Vincent. It doesn't mean we don't even know she saw it and gave, we don't know what she did. So I think that was annoying. But I think the line that pissed everyone off is call yourself Caribbean. I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think that's acceptable. And I think that is what, what and, uh, people went, people who were annoyed went in there with. And I think people, Dane got a lot of heat for saying, why do you put white in front of the Yardie then? If you're just a Jamaican, why not just say I'm Jamaican? I mean, I will, I will concede to this point. It's an industry. It's a business. You've got to make yourself stand out. The whole thing that you do as a comedian, like when you go on stage, if you're a good comedian, you use your unique selling point to use something about yourself that's different from everybody else. That way no one's got your same, you know, it's about carving out. So I can understand that. I understand why Dane asked the question though. You know what I mean? Because it's like, if that's what you want to market yourself at, you know, it, it, it was more complicated than people, than people actually thought it was. And that's just, I mean, I don't know. Aisha, have you got anything else? Oh, she's muted. I was muted, sorry. I agree with you about the point about white yardy in terms of actually using white in front of it. I think it's valid to ask the question, but if you are using that as your thing that your USP, then you should know why, and you should be able to sit there and talk about it. And if you're a clever guy, you'd have some bars lined up. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's because he knows himself that people go, oh, wow, yeah, right. you're white, I'm from Jamaica. That's the whole... Yeah bloody points so i don't yeah. understand why there was you know people were upset about that that's just for me how it is just very weird very weird flex but i think i mean i just wonder whether all of it is coming from the fact that we are in sort of like i i there's no other way to describe it but we are in kind of very racially charged um times because 
obviously with all of this stuff that is going on in terms of like you know you could have your nationality stripped away from you brexit all this that and the other race is obviously i mean it's always been at the forefront of society and everything like that but everyone you know we're all looking for that sense of identity and sense of belonging so when these kind of things come up and it does create debate and you know but also with it it comes a lot of emotion as well and I can see why that would happen do you know what I mean so I'm just wondering whether that also sort of like underpinned the reactions and what was said and everything like that I mean I don't think anybody's whether whether you're black or whether you're white or anything like that, I mean, I have to agree with you. You don't. I don't think anybody's got any um, right to just kind of like turn around and say like call yourself this or because I hate it when people say to me that oh like you know you call yourself a Ghanaian because you don't. I mean, but you don't do this. It really gets on my nerves because at the end of the day, what one person classes as being Caribbean or Ghanaian or Irish or whatever might be very, very different. And it is rooted down to your experience. So I don't think anybody, whether it's white, Yardi, whoever it is, I don't think we should be generalizing. And like you said, that, you know, in a situation like what was going on in St. Vincent or any other part of the world, people might be doing things different. People might be doing things. People don't always talk. I agree with that. So, I mean, I just, I just think sometimes things need separating out, but then also we need to look at the bigger picture of what's going on in society and why, you know, exactly. in a way, you know, we're attaching. I, I don't want to say. I'm going to be sensitive, what? especially this week. I mean, we saw Azim Rafiq sit yes. down. The cricket scandal has been going on. We heard the testimony of Azim Rafiq, who mm. was broken down in tears mm. as what he suffered as a South Asian um, Muslim man in Yorkshire Cricket Club. So mm. we. You know, it's almost like every day we're hearing about these things. Then you have to see, like, last week, where they tried to send another plane back to Jamaica. Do you understand? Yeah. So mm. we're going to be... I mean, they, I think they had a plane full of people. I'm not sure how many people it started with, but the plane left with three people, because actually, the people that they were trying to deport, they had no right to even deport them in the first place. Somebody described it as what's going on at the moment, which actually, mm. I kind of, it was almost like... You know what I mean? Jamaicans are literally being kidnapped by this government yeah. and, and locked up in detention centres. And we know that this country is a historical hate for Jamaican people. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just out there. Out of all the, I mean, I've been criticised before for saying it and I'm going to say it again. Um, Jamaican people do have it the worst out of all of us in the Caribbean. Definitely in the terms of the way that they are treated in this country and argue with your mum, I don't really want to hear it. Um, but at the end of the day, people are very guarded about their identities at the moment. They are feeling so, it was a normal conversation to have. And I think sitting there and hearing that testimony of Azim Rafiq was for every black and brown person in the country. It was like, there was something he said that would have resonated with all of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, Eva, because one one of the things, it just, I, I listened to it, and I, I'm not going to lie, I mean, I, I don't know, having a bit of an emotional week, but I did actually cry at some points, because I think 
the one of the bits that really really got me was like when he said that his baby died and stuff like that and then he didn't get any support but the bit that really i i i, I don't know i lost it because my poor nephew got it but I, the bit that got me was when he said that he was training and then they held him knowing full well that my guy didn't drink because of his religion and then you're pouring wine down his throat and then the thing the worst thing about that is that you, you know like you get you go and you say this is what has happened to me right and then it's just like oh it's just a bit of banter or, or like you're just gas gas lit into believing that these things don't happen so i think this is some i mean obviously we haven't had those we haven't well i haven't had that kind of experience but i don't like it when someone is saying that I am experiencing this, I'm experiencing racism, I'm experiencing whatever. But like, you know, people will just turn, it's gas, it's gaslighting, it's gaslighting. But there's I believe- something in this country, there's something Sorry? in this country that troubles me. And that, there's something in this country that troubles me. And that image of him being 15 years old, yeah. while they pinned him down and poured alcohol down his throat. There is some kind of, weird fetish in this country and it's a way they like to uh, listen we speak about our genetic memory i don't think genetic memory can affect one group of people not another group of people there has mm. throughout history been a, um, a conscious effort to eradicate our culture from us from black and brown people mm. through colonialism through slavery through indentured servants whatever it be it has been you people are doing this wrong. And there is a real sickness. And it's the same sickness that makes people put pig's heads on the, uh, at the door of a mosque. Do you understand what I mean? Or makes them put bacon in a Jewish person's food. Ooh. And I remember someone doing that at school. They put pork in a Jewish person's food. And then they said afterwards, see, I put pork in there. Didn't hurt you. Because there's no understanding. Yeah, we didn't pray oh pork is gonna hurt you. People are saying we do not eat it for this reason, but there seems yeah. to be a real hatred and it almost to me, it's like a jealousy. And I see the same thing with the burqa and uh, hijabs and whatever. Take it off, take it off, take it off. It's yeah. like you put up a boundary as a person of color. Uh, you put up a boundary and you say, this is where this ends and this is what I don't do. It just seems a real concerted effort to to stop you doing that or to ruin that for you and i think it's yeah. a sickness i mean i, I think it, it's it, there is something inherently wrong because it's it's a it, i think it's a kind of reassertion of power because like you know when you look at i mean when you look at historically like you know through colonialism and all of this that and the other it was all about stamping out you know like our traditional cultures and you know the way that we lived our lives and stuff like that and okay you know like now you can as you can say you can still see that happening on a macro level economically and all this and the other but then also like on a micro level from people's day-to-day -day experiences like you can see what happened to Asim Rafiq right there or like you know the simple not not even I don't even I mean how how on earth right how the hell why are you someone gonna put like bacon in a Jewish person food knowing full well they don't eat it they can't eat it and then they'll say oh look it's not going to hurt you. Okay, physically, who, who knows? Physically, you don't know that that person's not going to have a reaction. But like on a religious level, of course it's going to hurt them. But like it seems like people can't That's make right. a... I mean, it's seen in so many different ways. I mean, look yeah. at our hair. Look at our hair. How many, oh. how many occupations say to you, 
you, if you want to, you know, there've been so many cases where they've brought them, you know, to tribunals to say, her hair's unprofessional. How can something grow out of my, growing out of my head be unprofessional? Straighten it, you know, weave it. Do the, all that thing, it's that mentality that you have to be, it, it's like this subliminal, sometimes subliminal, sometimes direct in your face, message being told to us, if you want to get on here, you are going to do what we do. And all your little, you know, primitive rules of no pork or praying five times, we're not going to support you in that. And we're going to make your life more difficult. And I, I, do, I thought the whole thing was absolutely... It was really painful to watch. But to me, I have to ask, how many times do we have to watch it? We saw Zara Sultana um, breaking down, talking about the Islamophobia she suffers. We've seen Auntie Diane speak about the racism. We could just go on Twitter, you know what I mean? Put her name in and you'll see the, the racism. Like, at what point are these committees becoming useless? Elaine? Oh, I think Aisha was first, but... Um... I was going to say, but why this particular story? Why has this decided to resonate now for, for the MPs? I don't know, because as you said, it's happened um, ad infinitum. So what, what is it particularly about, um, about what's going on in Yorkshire cricket with, that is making people think, oh, actually, let's take a look at it and have an MPs inquiry. Did they have one about what happened during the Euros when it came to those black, to the football? No, I don't no, think they did. No, exactly. When it happened, you mentioned about Diane Abbott. Did they, did they do that? Did they mention anything then? Um, about um, Zara, did they mention it then either? So what is it really? about? They barely got anything, anything done at all. I mean, Aisha, what were you going to say? Sorry. Uh, well, it kind of, I mean, it's all tied in together, isn't it? But it kind of, ties in with what you were saying and what Louise was saying, but in terms of um, inherited trauma, inherited aggression, um, the whole of society is built on these behaviors. The whole of our of white identity is built on these behaviors. The whole of capitalism is built on these behaviors. So, and without sounding too negative, but it, it's true, isn't it? You can't separate anything, any one of them from the other, and you can't expect anything different because literally every aspect of identities, capitalism is, is all tied in with our us being wrong, our otherness and the rightness and the supremacy of, of white Western culture. You know, and I think that that, as but, horrific as it sounds, why wouldn't, even if it's not inherited their aggression, it's completely learned and taught and reinforced at every every given opportunity, isn't it? But I don't know why this time um, with Yorkshire cricket is different because, like you said, it's just it is it's, it's everywhere. It's in every facet of all of our lives, isn't it? Publicly as well. It's in. I mean, I I wouldn't. Sorry, 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 Aisha. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wonder whether it's got something. To, I mean, it, it's tricky, isn't it? Because like with, with football, football is like a national sport, isn't it? But then I, 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 this is, bear with me, bear with me on this. But like, you know, I'm thinking as I'm talking. But like, you know, I think there's a class element, isn't there? Because like, you know, cricket is arguably seen as a kind of more genteel middle class sport and everything so like you know if you've got something that is threatening to scandalize that you know it, it's on on the one hand it's just like okay well we mustn't it, you know like we we mustn't um 
we must deal with it, you know, we must deal with it quickly. But whereas I think with, with football, football is seen as sort of like more of a working class sport. So is that intersect? Do you see where I'm coming from or am I just chatting? No, crap? somebody said this to me actually in my, yeah. in my Twitter mentions when I was discussing it, one of my followers said, well, sorry, it, they, they're, not, they're not cricketers though, because cricket's a gentleman's sport. And I would yeah. be yes. not gentlemen. I said, when you say things like that, it's very reductive because you're trying to say, oh, well, it couldn't happen here. And that is half the problem when you speak about racism. Do you know what I mean? It's like even when people talking about racism, the can't be racist in the church. It's a church. You I know, know I'm confused because it was the people who played cricket who colonised uh, India and Pakistan, which is why those countries play it. I please, and the Gwindies, I, I please, I beg you, sir, I just please. There's some people Please listen to the mindset. words you're saying. Like Louise said, they have that mindset. Like... Cricket? Oh no, 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 no. So I think it has to come. It's too, look, tennis. I mean, that's another sport. Golf. That's mm. another sport. Um, yeah. Driving. These are sports where you do do not predominantly see black people or Asian people, and and these are sports of the wealthy, and they are littered with racism. They are seriously racist. But cricket isn't a sport for the wealthy because I remember playing it um, growing up. It's a terror. I mean, I find it very boring. I don't, I don't get, like, when I've had to go and watch it, it's a boring sport. But it's a bit like growing up rounders. And I, but I'm, I am really, I am really flabbergasted about, in a good way, because it's bringing it to the consciousness because of the fact that people have are having these uncomfortable conversations and it's yeah. not necessary that um it's not just the BAME people because remember BAME is code for black rather than everybody mm. else so it's not just the BAME people it does actually affect other people and if people have got to learn that call, you calling somebody by the p word is offensive when we done knew this in the 70s 80s 90s noughties then so be it and I think all institutions all organisations need to take a, a slow, hard look at themselves and how they deal with these things. I'm surprised they didn't say it was banter because if it was football, they'd have probably said it was banter. And that's yeah, but they did say some of what he, what, what he, they were doing to him. I mean, that was the thing that came out that some of it was seen as banter, not seen as banter, but like it was kind of portrayed as banter because that was some of the things. I mean, even. I don't, maybe I've got this bit wrong, but I think even pouring the wine down his throat and stuff like that, that was seen as banter, but it's not. And it's, it's just, it's just disgusting because like banter, banter's like what me, us lot have, you know, we just joke with each other and all this, that and the other, but like in a situation like this, banter is like, you know, like a fat cream cake that people can't eat. Do you know what I mean? Because there's so many layers of it and then it also gets physical so, you know, I, I think people are redefining what it means as banter, but I think well, some exactly, of it... Because in earlier inquiries, um, they said that the P word was banter. When he said they... That's not banter. They say it's banter. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I'm not saying. Believe me, I know that's not banter. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to... But down. isn't it interesting? Listen, if it's banter, go to Southall and scream. Yes. You know what I'm saying? the street and scream that word. That's when you know if it's banter or not. See if you, when you scream in the middle of a massive Asian area, you know what I mean? Remember that like, guy that... In some places, go and stand outside the mosque mm. and scream the P word. If they all come out laughing and hug you, it's banter. If they don't, don't. That's the way that yeah, I see it. Don't ever try to pass off, like, um, you know, racist names as banter. But it's what you said. This is how it gets played. And that is another thing that they do, is 
we turn out, we'd be humorless. And I'm going to put bring back to the other story, okay, uh, which is Dame Baptiste had some points. Do you understand? But even we as black people turn around and we're treating him like he was humorless. Whenever black people are raising some kind of points or people of color are raising those kind of points, and that's what I'm saying in terms of a balance of power, even we buy into it sometimes. Yeah, but I mean, it goes- He's played as humorless. He's a freaking comedian. How's he human? Oh, look at him with his push. So what? Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, he didn't ask anything or say anything that wasn't, you know, that was that was actually that controversial, to be honest. And quite frankly, you know, if somebody had come to my mentions back in April and told me to suck my mum, and you know, you don't do things like that, right? Sitting next to them on TV with a screw face is probably the most controlled thing I could have done. Go on, Aisha. Um, I was just going to say about the banter stuff. We're back to sort of who gets to define banter again. Yeah. I yeah. am not having the person who is hurting me physically and emotionally define banter. It's not, exactly. you're not there to, to define banter. I'm not having the person who has the sociological position of power tell me what is and isn't banter. You can, banter is only banter if it's mutually agreed. It's not. <laughs> to be fair, it's, it's not just You can't banter to somebody who has less power than you. It's not banter. It's That's what I'm saying. It's the power imbalance, isn't it? Sorry? It's the power imbalance. That's yes. my point. Yeah. And whether we like it or whether we don't, that stretches across the world, even, you know, in referring to our own cultures. There's still a power imbalance. And I think, you know, as I said, that was kind of running through the first story that we, that we covered as well. And I mean, it's, it's worldwide. I mean, a lot of people are tapping into it, even though it's an American case. We tend to concentrate on Britain, but there are some parallels. I mean, Carl Wittenhouse, who is, uh, is he 18 yet? 18. He was 17, he's 18, 18 now. now. He was 17 when he drove across state lines with an AK-47 to go to a black, driven by his mother, his mother, I to go and attack Black Lives Matter protest. And this boy was doing ugly snot crying in the dock. Mm. And people actually turned around and said, oh my God, how can you laugh at him? Can't you see he's got PTSD? I'm sorry. If you've got PTSD from something that's happened to you, that you, you know what I mean? That was of no bearing. Like if you grew up in a war-torn country, and you've come across here, you've come in and dinging, yeah, you might have PTSD. If you take your ass out your house with a gun in your hand and you drive across state lines to go out and then you go and kill two people and you have PTSD, I don't have any sympathy for you. You brought it on yourself. But the way that he's being treated like an innocent, well, you know, he's just a young kid. He, I mean, the allowances that are being made are awful. Aisha, have you seen some of them? It's, it's Is it PTSD or guilty goddamn conscience? Never mind PTSD. How can you call it one thing to the other? This is an act you did, which is clearly unconscionable. And then you're sitting there claiming PTSD, which is usually something because of trauma that's happened to you. Not exactly like you said, have a trauma. Do you know what, you know what the important thing about that was? He didn't call it PTSD. Other people mainly white people defending him called it PTSD and were like, you can't laugh at him. He's suffering. He's clearly didn't know what he was doing. He's got PTSD. Yeah. You know, the way they will just sit and make up excuses for people. Mm. Like that I mean, guy who went into the, the parlor, the, the massage parlor 
and shot those Asian women, you know, the and East Asian women. Oh my God, well, he was going through something, you know, he was suffering. At the end of the day, it, it, it's like what we said, it's this one way traffic. And that's why I kind of don't like people going, well, what if you said it to a black man? It's different. Do you know what I mean? That's why I think that there's a difference. Yeah, Elaine. Um, so um, what I don't understand when I've been observing the case, I haven't really been following it um, like greatly, but whenever I do get like the, the press snippets, I'm actually flabbergasted by um, the levels that the judge has taken to like really not prosecute this case. I don't, or, or, or hear this case properly. Um, it's like America, I'm going to say in inverted commas, always prides itself on, ju on justice being blind. And this guy has been, he was allowed to pick the jury from what I understand, like out of, out of, a, out of a hat or something. How is that possible? Don't and the lawyers do it kind of by a process of least worst for them? In America, no, no, no. I read that he, unless it was, unless it was the Arnold Aubrey case, which is also taking place, but in one of them, they, the, the, the defendant was able to draw the, to draw the, um, to draw out some of the um, jurors. The other thing that the um, judge didn't allow, he said that he didn't want um, black clergy to go to watch the case. It's a public gallery. And then the third thing that I was also amazed by, again, because the only country that I've really seen court trials being covered um, in great detail, where you've had cameras in the, um, in, 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 the, in the chambers and stuff, was that he didn't, he tried to ban MSN, MS, MSNBC from the courtroom. Now, the only other time I've really heard of somebody who's in one of those, the axis, the, the arms of government doing that was Bush, not Bush, um, Trump. Now, the, the, the media is there to obviously let, make sure that the public can see what's taking place within, within the courtroom. And so why are, you, why are you doing this? And I guess in the unlikely event that Rittenhouse is found guilty, because we don't, we don't necessarily think that these people are necessarily found guilty, what, would, what is his likely punishment to be? Because it's a felony, he's killed two people. Is he going to... Is it capital offence or was he just going to go to prison for life? I have no I mean, idea. I mean, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know what the punishment for him would be. I know if he gets off, he's going to be a, a, a George Zimmerman. I mean, Matt Gates, who's an American politician, I think he's a Republican, has already offered him an internship if he gets off. I mean, I mean, what message does that send? It, it's so disheartening, isn't it? You, you drew parallels, Elaine, to an English case. Yeah. That, that was, there's been a couple of English cases like that where black child's just been killed. It's like, I think Louis mentioned it earlier, like, uh, you know, they, when the cricketer talked about his son dying, I'm telling you now, they don't care when our kids die. They really do not care when our kids die. I know that from experience. I'm and it's like, when that, that, was it a, a Somalian girl or, or boy? Yeah. So, there's so many, who was pushed over off a bridge and was pushed yeah. into the water and drowned. And they yeah. said, no place to answer. Do you know what I sure. mean? It's just the constant devaluing yeah. and what it does to you as a person and what it does to you and how it makes you grip to your identity. And, you know, I, I, I totally understand why people do that.
So and we'll uh, to, to the latest Pretty Patel in, in oh, a little while, sorry. So everyone sorry, can I just say something about that case, about Carl Rittenhouse, before we move on? Because it just made me think of something else. So, you know, the very fact that the jury is being picked by, you know, like effectively undesirables, and I'm, you notice I'm doing the quotes and quotes and stuff like that, but people who do, do not fit a, person, a certain narrative are allowed to sit on that jury and they've been picked it's, it, I mean, obviously it's going in his favour, but like, had this guy been black, I mean, I'm just thinking of a particular case. It was, I don't know if any of you heard about it, but it was in 19, uh, it was in 1979. And it was a case of this guy called Edward O. Johnson, right? And it was the subject of a documentary called 14 Days in May. That, that, that just, that watching that just killed me. Uh, and you know, since then, I'm just like, I cannot be in favour of the death penalty. But what happened was this guy um, was accused of shooting a town marshal. And it was a premeditated, supposedly a premeditated thing. And, you know, like attack, sexually attacking this, this woman. But anyway, the woman basically said, because like the guy was picked to go and join a light. Um, no, no, no. Let's rewind. So what happened was, you know, the guy was... Edward O. Johnson was lying under his car, trying to fix it and bluff and bluff stuff. So anyway, they were looking for the people who had done these crimes. And then, like, you know, they picked him up. They said, oh, you know, you're just going in for questioning, nothing to it or anything like that. And then the next minute, he, um, you, you know, he's up before a court. He's from Texas. So, like, you know, he hasn't got in... Texas, poor part of, you know, black community and stuff like that. He hasn't got money to pay for a decent lawyer or to, you know, to, to, to make sure that his jury is selective. There was only two black people on that jury, okay? And the rest of them were white and the rest of them were very sort of like, you know, Bible Belt people. So he didn't have a leg to stand on. And basically this guy was sentenced to death for something that he didn't do, right? He did not do it. And, you know, it didn't matter. It, it, it just didn't matter. The case just stuck. And then that documentary, 14 Days in May, just sort of like showed the last days of his life because Clive Stafford Smith tried to defend him and tried to get him off death row, but it just didn't happen. So my point is, is that like, you know, you're the, the it's, it's funny how some people, you know, because of who they are, right, they will have all these advantages and, you know, the ability to kind of like choose whoever goes on their jury. But if you're in a different situation, a different state, and you're black, unfortunately, sometimes you have not got a leg to stand on. And I think um, Edward L. Johnson's case was a clear thing of this. He was innocent as well, because they found a year later, they found the actual person who did it. But it was a year after he had been executed. So it was too late to try and revoke the thing. So yeah, yeah that's, that's absolutely against the death penalty. Totally. I, am, I, I can't because I, I mean, think it's important to mention as well. Um, that Carl Rittenhouse killed two white people. Yeah. I'll keep saying it's Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. Some people think he might not have even gone to trial if he killed the black if he killed black people in the first place, you know. But he killed two white people. And what I find really interesting is that the punishment doesn't just go to us. The punishment that is given to white people who are perceived to who to be helping us or to be on our side. I mean, look at the Black Lives Matter protester, that the white woman that was run down with a car. Oh. There's no sympathy for them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Look at the, the white boy that was shot in the eye, you know, mm -hmm. um, at Black Lives Matter. It's like almost, 
but almost when it comes like this is what you see in the political parties over here because it becomes like a Tory mentality. It becomes, this is our agenda. This is what we want done. These are the things that we're pushing. And it really doesn't matter if it was a white woman killed by the car. It was a Black Lives Matter protest. And it really doesn't matter that he shot two white people. They were a Black Lives Matter protest and it's the movement that they want to destroy. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? They seem to have this real focused energy. Do you know what I mean? It's like the whole Blue, Blue Lives Matter movement. And that's because it's also kind of, it's also historical as well. When we're thinking about um, oh, in the was it the fifties or the sixties when they had the two guys who were killed? The the what Mississippi burning was based on where there were the two white guys and the black guy who went to to go with them, and that that, that they were all lynched. And and it's like basically you're not you're not following your own tribe. You're 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 you are a traitor. So if you're a traitor, we will treat you as such and also sh show you to be an example. Because exactly. why, why, why are you trying to go out of line like that? Um, again, asking the question I asked earlier, I mean, we've seen these select committees, we've, we've, we keep having the same discussions over and over again. There's been McPherson report, Scarman report, there's been report after report after report. Is it ever gonna change? Well, it's interesting with that select committee because I found it very ethnically diverse, all the white people there. Um, and I think maybe hearing a first-hand account might make some elements, maybe they might like appoint an Asian manager of one of these cricket clubs. If there isn't any, I'm surprised because to me, like, a, it just makes... No sense, because all I know about cricket is that India plays it, Bangladesh plays it, um, Pakistan plays it, and lots of people that I know who are prominent in the sporting world in England, who are from the in Indian subcontinent, but in heritage, I don't know if that's the correct term, um, that they are, that is because of cricket. So if there aren't any, if there aren't anybody who is from that background, who's in the upper echelons, it's not, well, this is like a futile exercise. Ultimately, I've just seen on the BBC, they've just talked about is cricket institutionally racist. You can keep on poking at these different institutions, but ultimately is, it, is Britain institutionally racist? And we already know the answer to that, it no longer is. Britain is no longer racist. We're all happy, kumbaya, blah, blah, blah. Let's go out, I've got a black friend. Her name is Kemi, brat, brat, brat. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, you know, we had to get there. Speaking about the counterpart, I mean, we touched on it a little bit earlier with uh, Pretty Patel and the latest immigration. I don't even know. I mean, like I said, I'd like to stop speaking about her, but she just won't rest. You know what I mean? She's just like a devil working overtime. I mean, how we're all in that position, right? We were all born here, yeah? Mm -hmm. yeah. We're all in that position. How do you feel? Wait, I mean, people said when Shamima Begum lost her citizenship, watch out. And to the black and brown people that were cheering it on, going, well, she's a terrorist. She's, we were saying, don't, don't sit comfortably. They do test cases. That was the test case. Then they're going to see if it's popular. I mean, actually, this happened. A lot of what Pretty Patel's doing, which is another element to it, is actually built on the back of what Theresa May done, did. Theresa May introduced this hostile environment. It was actually Theresa May who started stripping people of citizenship. 
Yes. You know what I mean? But it's now being extended to people who are actually born here. I mean, how do you feel about it? That, that, do you feel less, less safe here in this country now, Louise? I mean, I, I think I feel, uh, to be honest, um, like when I first saw those immigration bans, I just thought because I mean even even I myself was I got stopped um, in 2007 because um, I was coming out of New Cross Station and stuff and then they were just sort of like I was stopped by one of those people and I just they were just kind of like asking about me and my identity and stuff like that and I just said yeah because I was born in Nottingham and um, I have a British passport. And at that time I was at Goldsmith College. No, I was actually here. So I showed them my thing and then they let me go. Do you know what I mean? And I think also because they knew by my accent that I hadn't come from anywhere else. But the, the thing is, it's just, just a little bit kind of worrying that you do feel more on edge about having to justify who you are. And, and I think it kind of rocks your whole it, it rocks, I mean, no, I've never had any sort of like doubt about who I am intrinsically because I see myself as a British Ghanaian and nothing's going to change that. But then also with these structural things happening, it kind of does make you feel a little bit wobbly in terms of your place in Britain, even though you do see yourself as British. Uh, so I think that, that, that I've been worrying about it for a long time. And then I think with Brexit as well, because the way that you know people were just becoming so much more openly uh, open about their prejudices against people that 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 kind of felt like it was taking another turn but then also within that i think you know like when we all start fighting amongst ourselves about who belongs here and who doesn't because i mean i i one example that i always kind of remember is like going to a hairdresser I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before but it was all black people right so I there was me and then there was like eight other black people and like I think I was the only person that was born here and some of them were saying that oh like you know basically that Theresa May was right and that you know with Brexit they all voted to, to me and this it was only me and this other guy that didn't vote to leave but the others were saying that oh you know we don't we we all voted to leave because of immigration and I'm just like what and then yeah and then you know they were just like yeah we voted because there's too many immigrants here there's too many Eastern European immigrants here and I'm just like, so the, the other guy that voted to remain, he said, okay, well, for those of you, put everybody, whoever's born in this country, put your hand up. I was the only person that could put my hand up. And I said that, look, I don't think any of us in this place, any of us in this room can be talking about immigration. Even I can't because my parents and a lot of my family are immigrants. Do you know what I mean? So I can't be talking about there being too many immigrants here. But like, you know, and some, you look a lot, I mean, some of you are twice migrants. One of them goes back to France. So she's got French citizenship, but she came from Senegal. She goes back to France for her treatment. So this is why I just can't understand when people are starting to kind of talk about, oh, there's too many immigrants. And it's one thing it coming from the government, but then it's also another thing when it's starting to come from us. And I think, sadly, this is where it's going. Everyone is just kind basically, of changing yeah. about themselves. Basically, you're saying we're not even safe amongst our own people anymore. It's not that we're not <laughs> safe amongst feel... our own people, but it's just that we're just... I mean, it's, it's just that... I, some I, was people... jo I was joking because, of like, yeah, there is, like, this big black Tory brown black 
movement. But some of them aren't even some of them aren't even serious because they're not even politically aware. Do you know what I mean? They just buy into what's being said in the Daily Mail and places like that. And it was just, I mean, that wasn't the only reason why I couldn't, because like, you know, these guys literally took the P155 with hair, because you would go in there, like they would say come in at nine o'clock and they wouldn't start on your hair until two o'clock. They oh, say that's another well, subject. Well, that's why you need to Black cancel them. That's another subject. Uh, yeah, and that was early. Like, I've been there at seven o'clock waiting. Aisha, do you feel unsafe yeah Listen, i felt unsafe knowing the fact that we were born here and i think it's even more confusing when you've got parents who are not even from the same place you know yeah, for God's sake, like, what's wrong with where me? the hell am i gonna go yeah. if i'm stripped of my citizenship mm. if that's a possibility we don't know what rules they'll have they'll bring in in the future so do you feel less safe hearing that news that came out this week that they're trying to to extend it actually because they can strip you of your citizenship but what pretty patel wants to do is extend it so that number one, they can give you no notice at all. And number two, you've got no appeal. Does that make you as a brown woman in a brown black woman, brown and black woman in uh, this country, do you feel less safe? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be brown and black. Brown and um, black, black and brown. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it does make me feel unsafe. I've, I've been feeling less safe progressively though since um, the diet, the sort of, the dialogue changed uh, pre-Brexit. And I mean, and I think we forget how long ago the um, anti-immigrant dialogue was ramped up. Because I remember talking about it in my third year of university, which would have been yeah. 2004. So there's some time between then and now. And I remember that being sort of when, and this is obviously pre the Tories, this is the Brownies, Blair, uh, Blair and Brownies. So we can't just be all like, oh, Labour, we're going to save the day, you know, lest we forget. No, 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 no. But um, yeah, in terms of um, the whatever the bill that she's trying oh, to sneak man. through, and probably will get through, they have a ridiculous majority, who among the Tories is going to object to this bill? Um, it'd be interesting to see who puts their head above the parapet. But um, my parents weren't Isn't born the here. Pervy one, that pervy one's doing it. He's Which leading. One? It's the Tories. Who touched up Auntie Diane? Um, oh, David, David Davis. David. Yeah, he's he's he said it's out of order. So interesting. His parents David named him twice. Is, um... Yes, he was. He, that's exactly why he's flipping doing it because he wants no, to. No, I've got. I've got women. I, uh, Elaine, sorry, we'll finish with you on that question. Do you feel less safe? Yeah, I was going to say, but I can understand why David Davis actually would be the person who'd be spearheading this, because I'm just thinking about my previous time when I used to work in that department, <laughs> underneath the previous administration. He is somebody who, he opposes things like ID cards and all those kind of things as well. Now, back to your question about do I feel less safe? Um, with this particular bill, it's actually quite frightening outside the, um, outside the not being given notice and not being able to appeal. But because it's got three different grounds and the bit that alarms me most is the public interest um, reason why your citizenship could be stripped. Because mm. public interest is, I mean, who determines that? Does that mean that like, um, I know some, I mean, um, being of my heritage, I remember that there was a friend of the family who got deported back to Ghana because he, what, he was, he was work, he was, he was here illegally. He, he was working illegally. I know in, in in the legal terms, and like when they did those sweeps where you when you're when you catch a bus, you're going to work, and then they've got the immigration 
DWP and police. If you're going, if you're, who's traveling at six o'clock in the morning? And so, and so he, so he got, um, he got sent back. People mm. have been sent back because of the fact that they've been done speeding. And because obviously yeah. speeding is breaking the law. Public interest, you could potentially get, you, and so how far will they test it? Is basically what I'm saying. And I was having a conversation about it yesterday on, um, I, need, I, need to, I should have tagged you guys actually. Um, there's a person on my timeline who is a black Tory, who I did try to suggest that he comes on here. And he's like, what, you mean. Elaine, what, what is your issue with this? What is your issue? And I said, read the bill. His initials CR. No, his initials are DB. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's not. Is it who? It's not who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, we, we yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and 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 he said, so what are your issues? I said, and he goes, are you going to sc screenshot? I said, well, my friend said, we're not your, we're not your servants. If you want to read it, read it yourself. And basically, I've read the whole bill. There's an entire section which is about like removing citizenship, and a citizenship. Your citizenship is a human right. It's every. It's it's protected by international law. And the government should not be allowed to strip any of its citizens of that fundamental human right. And I think that if you are an individual who by, not by your choice, because it's, it's not our fault that our parents came here. And whether you are black, brown or dark white, that you, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're a British citizen, and you've done something, but you're getting doubly punished for it. That's not correct. It doesn't, that's, that to me goes against the rule of law. And hopefully people in the House of Lords who have got a lot of time on their hands can like make sure that that, bit, that, that, stand, that clause gets pulled out when it goes in their ping pong. And hopefully the, the leader of the opposition, who's also a lawyer, that he can query these things too, because these people are doing a lot to take away our human rights, which we knew they were gonna do, which is why they were champion Brexit in the first place. Because if we were part of the EU, this would not be allowed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, mean, I agree. We're out of time, ladies. Oh, can we have my fun bit first? Oh gosh, yes. Sorry. Before we go. So. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about identity, what it means to be black. And so I'm not going to say what the name is, but there's a game called Black Card Revoked. And so oh. I've got the cards in my hand. I've got okay. some Is there an equivalent for white people called invited to the cookout? <laughs> no, no, but we can maybe create it. <coughs> so I've got a few questions. Um, I won't go through all of them. But um, just like to give a little bit of bants before we go off, right? You know, all in the name of banter. Oh, yeah. Don't right. get offended if your if your card is getting revoked. <laughs> all right. So, because um, my first question is, if your mum caught you doing this while sick, you still had to go to school if you were a breathing, <laughs> b smiling. C, laughing, or D, all of the above? I mean, all of the above. A and B, sorry, could you repeat <laughs> Breathing <laughs> and smiling. Laughing, all of the above. I would get. With a black mother, we all have black mothers, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> so none of you could do Ferris Bueller's Day Off then? Yeah. I loved it, loved it. All right, Love cool. that film. All right then. 
Now, I've got another one. Now, we've spoken about the mothers. Now, it's over to our fathers. Who would you rather have as for a father? Joe Jackson, Future, Matthew Knowles, or Bill Cosby? Out of that lot, I'd have to say Future because I'd never see him. <laughs> That's one guy you want to be an absentee father. My good God, that guy's a mess. That one is little Wayne. Awful, awful people. Can, can I just say that like there should have been an E on that list because like our own dad because like you know what <laughs> I, think I just I just I, I, when you look at things like that yes sometimes we fall out with our fathers and stuff like that but like there's there's that and then there's this like, if my dad was on that list I'd still have chosen future make wrong okay so I would, have, I would have chosen my dad sorry I'm happy for me it dad. has to be Matthew Knowles because it would mean that Beyonce is my sister and I'm the auntie of Blue Ivy oh my <laughs> god okay he um all right here's another one um according to mamas what is the one thing that's the ultimate sign of disrespect rolling your eyes back book mm -hmm. Slamming doors or calling her by her first name? Calling her by her first name. The last one. Oh. You see, I'd add an E here because at the moment Mimi's kissing her teeth to me a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, God. I'd like to talk to her. Is it me? She's like, oh, gosh, is that rude? I was like, listen, listen. Um, Gosh, okay, I would say Will with a black mum. They're all rude. Let's be honest. All, they are all rude. I'd have to say as a mum, rolling your eyes, because as a mum myself, rolling your eyes drives me mad. My son does that. I mean, I think, you know what? And I'm sure we've all tried all of them because I know I've rolled my eyes. <laughs> that, like, you know, one time, I can't, I can't remember what it was. One time only. Yeah. No, one, no, it was one time only, but I can't remember what it was. But some, I was so angry that, and, and you know, like you know, when you can just see blood, you can see red. Anyway, I just said, "Shut up!" Like that, I said, "Shut up!" Underneath my throat and stuff like that. I did not. I got. I mean, that was many one of many things that I got reported for. I got reported. Hey, Elaine, I got reported to Auntie Sarah. Oh shit! Sorry, I don't know Auntie Sarah. Auntie is, Sarah is my cool. grandma's sister. Oh, yeah, I've got This is the thing, when we're hearing these things, all the answers are right, but we're all thinking, which did I get the worst beating for? No, I'm, yes. sorry, I'm, not Actually, I'm not thinking that, sorry. No, you, so, I know. I'm my parents are softies. No, so in my head, I did back talk, and I'm thinking it's inside voice. Um, but I'm sure that my inside voice yes. came out on my face. And so they if they inside translate, I would have still got into trouble. Yes. Yeah. You could get trouble for a look. Don't yes. even look at me like, cut your eye after me. There are many <laughs> phrases just to tell you off for looking at your parents in a certain way. Which is basically like, don't breathe like that near me. It's uh -huh. offensive. Right? <laughs> All right. All right. Don't exactly. look at me with that tone of voice. Yeah. Let me stink. He just look at me stink. He is you can't do yeah after hey, me. the Bayesian accent. I can't. I can't. I can't with it. I can't. Right. People Bajan men chat to me. I can't. can't. And I've got one yeah. more before we go, I yeah. guess. And here it is. R&B died when singers stopped grabbing air, stopped letting bass produce, 
stopped singing in the rain or let auto tune in? I, I'm, I'm, but I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I, I, can I just say, I mean, you know, what I will say is that I hate R&B, so I, I will not even. It's Revoke it yeah. now, Elaine. Revoke it. Revoke it. Say it's, it's, it's gone. It's gone. I'm sorry. I mean, with that, it's gone because I hate R&B. I hate it. So. The news needs to go over onto the BBC Radio and um, Radio 4. That's where you want to be. No, 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 no. I don't know. Aisha, where would you say? I don't know. I personally like a bit of the R&B that's got the old auto tune in it. Yeah, Kevin so, Riley was amazing with that. Black Street were brilliant with that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> and what was it, singing in the rain, stop pushing out and pulling in. I'll go insane. <laughs> yes. So all of that, but what, was there another option that I missed? Stopped letting Babyface produce. Oh. oh God! This is. He was good on his verses. Yes, exactly. Was, yeah, he was good. Yeah. Can I just? Can I? Before while you're thinking, can I just throw something in there, please? I know I've been banished to Radio Four, but can I? Can I just remind you of something? Just a just 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 a little thing. Yeah. yeah. So rave music. Okay. House music, drum and bass music, actually has its roots in. People always forget no, no. that it has. It has its It has its roots in dub. It has its roots, in, and a lot of it is kind of like black produced. Okay, so I'm just putting that there. No, 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 oh yeah, no, 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 no. no, 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 no we can't argue about music. We have to go. We have to go. We have to go. No, 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 on our Twitter feed to see yes. if we get their card revoked. Ladies, yeah. thank you very, very much for us. We're just going to say bye to the audience. Bye, audience. Bye, audience. Bye. Bye.